We are uh, continuing a series we started uh, several weeks ago called the Red Letter Challenge. And as we've started the series, we're working our way through it. We have just a couple weeks left of this series, but we started um, looking at, again, the red letter part of this series. And the red letter is the, are the words of Jesus. They, starting at around 1900, they started publishing Bibles as red letter editions. Now, not every Bible is a red letter edition Bible. Again, you might have one that's, that's printed in all black, and that's completely fine. It's the same words, the same teachings. But if you have a red letter edition Bible, that, that, that means that every time Jesus speaks, that those words are printed in red ink in your Bible. And, and every time Jesus speaks, again, he um, is communicating something to us. And again, as followers of Jesus, as, as Christians, right, we obviously need to pay attention to what Jesus says. In fact, that was the intention of, of printing red letter Bibles in the very first, right, was to, to make Jesus' words stand out, right, and to see how central Jesus is to all of Scripture. And so we've been studying those words of Jesus, those teachings of Jesus, the stories, the parables, and the different things throughout this series. And again, as we see that Jesus teaches on, on lots of different topics, he has lots of different interactions with different people, with his disciples and religious leaders and the Pharisees and, and just the general people around that he interacted with. And yet um, there are some themes of his teaching. And we started on week one and just looking the overall view of Jesus and how he invites us to go deeper into our faith. Right? And on week one, we made this commitment to say, what if we went all in with our faith? We decided that okay was not okay anymore. And we were going to take the words of Jesus very seriously and go all in. Okay, and if we go all in, then what changes are we gonna, uh, is that going to bring to our life? What are we going to do? How do we live out the words of Jesus? Okay, and we see again that all of his teachings can be um, put into five different main topics that he teaches on. Okay, and so we've been working our way through those. Okay, so week two, we started with us being a follower of Jesus. Okay, and that was the first attribute of being, of knowing that when we receive Christ as our Savior, we invite him into our life, and, and we confess our sins, and he forgives us and transforms us into a new person when we receive him as our Savior. When we join the journey of faith, we are transformed from God's creation into God's child, and then we start and live into that identity. Right, that I am God's child, and I'm going to, again, follow the teachings of my Heavenly Father. Okay, and we start with being, and with, with being transformed by Him, and then by His power, we can then start to affect the different things in our life as, as our identity overflows into these different areas. And then the next one we looked at was the target of forgiving. Right, it starts with forgiving ourselves, and then it moves on to forgiving others, which was what Jesus taught in the two greatest commandments of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbors yourself. Right? And, those, and we saw how forgiveness is the linchpin of our faith. Right? That it's the foundation of the gospel message. We are forgiven by God, and therefore we can forgive ourselves and ditch the guilt that comes with that and move on also to forgiving others. And then last week, we looked at the target of serving. Right, and saying that if our being and our forgiveness overflows in our life, then it makes its way into our daily actions. And, and how do we serve God based on our personality and, and our spiritual gifts and live into everything that God has called me to live into? And then today, we are to the one that everybody's been looking forward to. Right? When you saw the list. It's giving. Right? It's the one where we all looked at that and like, oh man, we have to talk about that? Yes, we have to talk about that. Because Jesus talks about it. A lot. In fact, 
Um, when Jesus talked about money, okay, we see that Jesus literally taught more about money than he did about love. Okay, Jesus taught more about money than he did about love. Now, God is love, right? God, Jesus embodies the love of Christ, but yet I believe he also knew that we would struggle more with money and possessions than with understanding his love, right? And, he, and therefore, he taught on it a lot. In fact, when we look at the, the Bible, the entire picture of Scripture, the Bible talks more about money than any other topic. In fact, there are over 2,000 references to money and possessions in all of Scripture. And so, yes, as we study the words of Jesus, the red letters, we have to study this. Otherwise, we are not faithful to everything that he taught us. Because the only other topic that Jesus taught more about other than money and possessions was the kingdom of God. Yet he described lots of things about the kingdom of God and this, the close second was money and possessions. So that's where we're going to go today. But, but then that's the red letters. But then we have the challenge part of this series. right? And the challenge part of the series is to not just learn what Jesus teaches us, but to actually do it in our lives, right? And the things that Jesus teaches us to do are challenging. They are not easy. They are countercultural. But yet, if we truly live out Jesus' words, right, then we will start to see our lives change and change for the better because we will be more like Christ tomorrow than we are today. And that's what our spiritual journey is all about. It's about moving closer and closer to Christ every day. Right, so we have the red letters, we have the challenge part, and like I said, today we are to the, the target of giving and of generosity. And so again, as we address it, I understand that as we talk about money, that it can feel a little bit weird. Right, in fact, if you knew, and you should have known that that's what we were talking about today, maybe you might not have shown up today if you remember that we were talking about money. Right, early on in my life, in my ministry, I remember I got lots of good advice from different people. One of, one bit of advice that I got from a really strong leader, right? She told me that whenever money is involved, people get weird. Okay? And that is very true in our world, right? That's been very true in my life, in my ministry throughout the years. And so I understand it's a little bit of a weird topic. Okay, but we are going to open up this can of worms together today and we're going to work through and set aside the weirdness of it, okay? So that we can truly focus on what Jesus needs us to learn about money and possessions. Again, but I will say is we are not going to talk about just money today, okay? But um, we're going to talk a little more beyond money because Jesus brings it up, but it opens the door to so many other things in our life, okay? And so we're going to look at that, but the big idea for us today is this, is that you cannot truly go all in for God if you cannot trust God with your future, okay? You cannot truly go all in for God if you cannot trust God with your future. And you're probably sitting there going like, Brian, that doesn't say anything about our money. How can that be the big idea of the topic, of, of the message? Right? And you're right. It doesn't specifically address our money, but yet it does address our money because if we're going to go all in with God, we have to put our trust in God 100%. Right? And we have to trust him for everything that's going to happen in our future, even when we don't understand what, what his goal is in our life, even when we don't know where he's taking us. If God asks us to do something, we need to be obedient to that, 
right? Even, even if the, the goal or, or where it's going to take us is beyond our viewpoint, do we truly trust God with our future? And again, it's not just about money, but about anything, because God asks us not just to give, not just to be generous, but God asks a lot of us, right? And ways to put our faith into action. And again, are we going to trust God with where he's taking us? Right? Are we going to be obedient to what he tells us? And when God says, just trust me because I'm taking you somewhere that's worthwhile, right? And, and just follow through and do it. Are we going to trust God with our future? And like I said, this is not just about money. And in fact, today, the message is not just about money. It's more about a lifestyle of generosity. Okay, because when we start with obedience about our money, it moves us into a lifestyle of generosity, not just with our money, but with so many other things. And that's truly what God cares about. That's why he talks so much about money, is because he wants us to live a generous lifestyle. Again, I believe that tithing and giving could today be one of the number one indicators of how serious you are about your faith and about abiding in Jesus Christ. Okay, because he, God talks about it so much in the big picture of Scripture, because Jesus talked about it so much. Okay, and because our faith is all about trust. Okay, and if you don't trust, then if you don't trust God, then you're trusting something else. Your faith is in something other than God. And if I am trusting God to provide all of what I need in my life, right, then it, it is a huge act of faith to trust God with my future. And as I trust God with my future and put my faith in him, a key component to faith is action. Right? I need to put action behind what I say I believe, and that's how I show I really believe it. In fact, faith and action are very connected. In fact, the brother of Jesus, James, talks a lot about faith and action and how they're connected. Okay, now I'm not going to go there today because when we finish the Red Letter Challenge, we are doing our next message series is we're going to study through the book of James. So we're going to talk a lot about it when we get there because James talks a lot about it. Okay, so we're going to set that aside. We'll go back to that here in the next several weeks. But a key component to faith is action. Okay, so as we start to look at the teachings of Jesus, I guess they're connected to generosity. We're going to start this morning in Matthew chapter 6. Okay, we're going to read verses 19 through 21. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you today, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats that you're welcome to use. And if you can grab one of those and see uh, the page numbers, again, where you can find the, these passages and those Bibles is on your outline. But we're going to read this morning. As we look at this first concept of lifestyle generosity, uh, we're going to read the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, okay, where it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I think as we look at this teaching of Jesus, again, if you're the kind of person that writes in your Bible, I encourage you to underline verse 21. Okay, because this teaches us so much about the teachings of Jesus. And even about why does Jesus teach us so much about money? Okay, because again, Jesus tells us, even through these, these short few verses, right, Jesus shows us and teaches us 
right? That God cares way more about your heart than he does about your money. Okay, God cares way more about your heart than he does about your money. In fact, that's, that's exactly what he tells us okay, in verse 21. Again, we look at 21. It's worth reading again. Let's read it again. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Again, what are our treasures in our world, right? Our treasure is our, our wealth, our money. Okay, and wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. And, and where does Jesus tell us to store our treasure? He says, store it in heaven. Not on earth. Now again, I'll tell you is, again, there's this common misconception that, that the Bible teaches against wealth, and that is not true. In fact, all throughout the Bible, um, God gives wealth and money, right, as a reward for faithfulness. Okay, God blesses his people with wealth. Okay, wealth is not ungodly. That is not taught in scripture. Okay, but if that wealth becomes the focus of your heart, the focus of your life, then it is sinful. Because God cares way more about your heart than he does about your money. So again, can a follower of Jesus be rich? Absolutely. If they're also generous. Right, because as we follow Jesus, as we live out what he says, right, he tells us your heart is way more important than your money. It's not about your money at all. It's about your heart. That's why Jesus teaches so much about it. Because he knew that money was going to be a stumbling block for so many. Right? In fact, I would venture to say that money is the number one idol in our lives today. Okay, just look at our culture. Look at popular music. Look at, at you know, celebrities. Look at everything. It's all centered around their wealth or wanting to get rich. Okay, money is one of the number one idols in our lives today. It is the great American idol. We like our things. We like building our own kingdoms in this world. And it's hard to talk about something that for many of us becomes very personal. I believe that Jesus spoke about money more than anything else because money has become our security and our source of hope. It's the one thing, it's one thing to come to church on a Sunday and to put a Christian sticker on your car and it's a whole nother story to have Jesus as your security, have him as your cornerstone and as your source of hope for your future. Nothing says you trust Jesus with your present and, then, and more with your future than living a life of being generous. Being generous with your money, being generous with your time, being generous with your talents and your abilities, generous with your possessions. A life of generosity says, God, I trust you with my future and I'm putting my treasure with you, not with my bank account. And as we see again, because God cares way more about our heart than he does about your money. And the next teaching I want to look at, the teaching of Jesus, looking at our money and our possessions is in Luke chapter 21, verses one through four. So flip with me over to the gospel of Luke chapter 21. And again, we're gonna read verses one through four. Okay, Luke 21, starting at verse one, where it says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. 
for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Again, this is one of the more famous passages of Jesus and his teachings about when it comes to giving and to generosity. Okay, and here again, Jesus is hanging out in the temple. He's watching, right, as these rich people come by and drop in their large sums of money into the collection box. Right now, notice again, he doesn't condemn them for their gift. Right? He, he doesn't, again, talk down to them about how much money they gave. Okay, just like then, just like it is today in our church, right, we fund the budget of our church by what the money we collect on a Sunday morning. Okay, that's the same thing they did in the temple, right? Everything that was done there, all of the religious leaders, all of the, the supplies, everything was supplied by what they collected from the temple and from those acts of worship. Okay, again, that has not changed. And in fact, you know, again, he, he says that they were, they were giving these large sums of money. And again, we, we need those generous givers, right, to, to meet our budget. But what does Jesus focus on, though? Right? In fact, this passage, this, this observation, this teaching of Jesus about, about the, these wealthy contributors and about this poor lady actually has nothing to do with money. Right? It has everything to do with where their trust and their faith lie. Because notice he says that these wealthy people, they put in these large sums out of their surplus. Right, meaning whatever they have left over, they give. They, yes, there's lots of zeros at the end of their donation, but it is a small portion of their life. Right, it is not a sacrifice. And yet, what does he point out about this woman? Again, it was not the dollar amount because what she gave, right, the equivalent to our money today of what she gave was two-fifths of a penny. Again, did her donation move the needle on them meeting their budget at all? Not at all. It was very insignificant to the, to the bottom line dollar amount of the temple. But what does Jesus commend her for? He says she has given more than all of them because she gave everything she had. Her allegiance, her faith, her trust, and her hope were all in God, not in her money. Right? So much because for her, she was sacrificially giving. Right, saying, Lord, I'm not putting my trust in the money. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm not just giving out of my surplus. I'm not just giving, you know, this small amount. I'm giving everything I have to you. And again, this, Jesus was not cared about the dollar amount. In fact, because this was symbolic of the, the fact she was giving her entire life to God. Right, and it was through her generosity. And that's what Jesus points out here. Again, it was not about the money at all. Right? And yet Jesus was teaching them and teaching us through this story that generosity is not a salvation issue. It is an obedience issue. Again, you cannot buy your salvation. Right? It doesn't matter how much money you give to the church or how much you give to any ministry or anything that's expanding God's kingdom. Right? You can give millions and millions of dollars to nonprofit religious organizations and not be saved. You cannot buy your salvation. In fact, your, the love God gives you, how much he cares for you, whether you're saved or not, has nothing to do with whether you give or not. It has nothing to do with your salvation, but it is everything to do with your obedience. 
Again, that's the challenge part of this series, right? Are we going to do what God tells us to do? Are we going to follow through? Again, this woman gave everything she had, not just her money, but she gave her heart. She gave her time. Or she gave her devotion. She gave everything to God. She was modeling a life of generosity. And Jesus is welcoming us, is inviting us into a life of sacrificial generosity because that is what truly shows where your hope and where your trust and where your faith lie. Is my faith in God? Is he my provider? Or is my bank account where my trust lies? Because the truth is God doesn't need your money. Right? God created everything. He created this world. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Right? He has access to every penny in this entire world. He doesn't need your money. But he desperately wants your heart. Right? And when we look at it again, why, then why does God tell us to give? Right? Well, because he knows that that's how to get to our heart. He created not just the whole world. He created us. He created our hearts and our minds, and he knows how we're wired, and he knows what it's going to take to keep us focused on him. Because he cares way more about your heart than about your money. Right? And yet, as the American church, right, we are not being very obedient to what God tells us to do with our money. Again, this, this last week, I looked up the, the most recent giving statistics for America. Again, these are not... Um, so, you know, statistics to our area, this is to the entire American church. Okay, and these statistics are from 2018, our last complete fiscal year. Okay, and, and again, they, these come from um, the nonprofit source on church giving. Okay, so, and according to their statistics, they say that tithers make up anywhere between 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. 10% to 25% of a normal congregation tithe. Say that Christians currently are giving a rate of about 2.5% of their income in our culture. 2.5% of their income. Compare that to during the Great Depression, America, American Christians were giving 3.3% of their income during the Great Depression. We're giving less now than we did during the Great Depression. Only 3 to 5% of Americans who give to their local church do, do so through regular tithing. In fact, the other side of that is that three out of four people who do not go to church make donations to nonprofit organizations. The unbelieving part of our American culture is giving more than believers. I hope that makes you shudder like it does me. The average giving by an adult who attends a U.S. Protestant church is on average $17 a week. 37% of regular church attenders and evangelicals don't give any money at all to their church. There are roughly about 10 million tithers in the U.S. population, and those 10 million tithers donate more than $50 billion a year to churches and nonprofit organizations, right? Which means that those that are tithing are giving a lot. Okay, and this last statistic, again, speaks to that as well. And it says that 77% of those who tithe give between 11 and 20% of their income away, which is far more than the baseline 10% that Scripture teaches. 
So those that are being obedient to this are giving a lot. Right? But the percentage of American Christians that are actually being obedient to what Scripture tells us to do with our money is very small. Now, again, I don't know the statistics for Oregon Trail. I don't know who gives what and who does. I don't want to know that. Okay, I do not know that information. But, but I do see the general giving numbers, right? The same thing you see in the bulletin every week, the same thing that the, our board of trustees sees every month. Okay, and based on our general giving numbers and, and our, the population of our church is I would say the Oregon Trail is very normal. Okay, and normal is not a good thing. As we think about this, we'll say, so what does scripture teach us about giving? Okay, what should I be obedient to? Okay, is, let's start off. The first thing to understand about biblical generosity okay, is that the foundation of biblical generosity is the tithe. Again, this is a word that we throw around a lot. Again, I threw it around in these statistics. So what is a tithe? Okay, the biblical definition of a tithe. Okay, there are four requirements in Scripture that make it a tithe. First off, is a tithe is literally 10%. Okay, that word tithe, anytime you read it in your Bible, can literally be exchanged for 10%. Okay, that is the literal definition of the word tithe, 10%. Okay, so the first requirement for it to be a tithe, according to Scripture, is that it is 10% of your increase. So again, in Old Testament concepts where the tithe was originally given, their increase was crops. Right, again, our increase in our culture today is our money, our income. Right, 10% of your increase. Okay, the second thing is that, is that for a tithe, in order to be a tithe, that needs to be taken off of the top. Scripture uses the phrase, out of your first fruits. Okay, meaning taken off of the top. It's the first thing that comes out of your budget. Okay, the, the third requirement for it to be a biblical tithe is that it is given to where you are being spiritually fed. Again, the point of it is to keep your heart right. Okay, and so it's, it's to be going, given away to where whatever's feeding you spiritually, which in our culture, I hope, is your local church. If it's not feeding you, you need to find one that is. Okay, and so again, it's, it's given where you are being spiritually fed. And then the fourth requirement is that it is given with no strings attached. Okay, that it is God's money, God decides how it's used. I don't have a say. Okay, so 10% of your increase coming off the first fruits given to where you're being spiritually fed with no strings attached. Okay, if it meets all four of those requirements, then that meets what a biblical tithe is. Anything that does not meet those four requirements, even if it meets three out of those four, it is not by biblical definition a tithe. It is an offering. Now, again, we are told to give offerings. There's nothing wrong with an offering. But again, if we say we are going to tithe, that is the requirement. Why are those the requirements? Why would God put those down? Number one, the 10% number. This shows how generous God really is. Because remember, everything we have is God's. 100% of what we have, God provides. Which means he's letting us keep 90% of the money he brings into our lives. That is very generous. He lets you keep 90% of what he provides. Okay, next, again, why, why the first fruit? Okay, because if it's off the top, the first fruit comes out of the, at the first part of the month, not the last part of the month, then it's an act of faith. 
right? Because if I just give God out of what's left over, out of my surplus, right, then I'm doing what, what Jesus saw in the temple, right? First fruits means it's an act of faith. I'm trusting God for my future. Okay, it's going where you're being spiritually fed. Again, it's to keep your heart right. It's to keep you focused on God, full of his spirit. What is moving you forward in your faith is where it's supposed to go. And then with no strings attached, again, meaning that and acknowledging it's not my money at all, right? It's God's, and I don't, have, I don't have a say in where it goes. If I give it with strings attached, then I'm influencing how it's used. I'm trusting God's going to direct it through the leadership wherever I give it. Right, to direct it the way that God is directing it. Again, anything that's given that doesn't meet all four of those requirements, biblically speaking, is not a tithe. It is an offering or a gift. Right, now, as we see, again, when it comes to the tithe, like I said, it's primarily an Old Testament concept. Okay, there's through one of the Old Testament um, prophets, through the prophet Malachi, Jesus talks to, again, the nation of Israel and says, hey, you're stealing from me. And they're like, no, we're not. And like, yes, you are, because you're not giving us the entire tithe. Okay, and God says, that's why the things are a struggle for you. That's why you're having a hard time is because you're not doing that. And then this is the command, the, the advice that God gives through the prophet Malachi in Malachi 3.10. Okay, where he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. In fact, this is the only place in all of Scripture that God invites us to test him. Okay, and it is connected to saying, give the entire tithe. Right, meet all four requirements. And, and, I, and God is guaranteeing that it, things will turn around. And I, again, I, I don't know where you are. I don't know whether you give or you don't give. And if you do give, how much you give. I can, I can tell you, I, all I know is myself. I know what, what Maureen and I give. Again, and I'll tell you that Maureen and I, we have tithed our entire married life. Okay? We, we both were tithing before we got married. We got married, we combined our finances, and we tithe every month. Okay? And I will tell you, there are times when we started out as we were newly married, right? We were new in our careers. Like that tithe was not a big amount because we were not making a lot of money. Okay, and yet, as over our lives, as our careers have advanced, as we've gotten raises, that, month, that number has gone up over the years. Okay, but I will tell you, we have been faithful in tithing, okay, and we have never had a bill that we could not pay. Now, there, there were times that we thought we were going to come up short. Okay, there were times, especially early in our marriage, when we weren't sure how we were going to pay these different bills. Okay, I remember uh, one time, I still remember it very clearly, um, we were newly married. Okay? Maureen was still in college. I was, I was working at, at a church. Um, we were not making a lot of money at all, but we were, we were faithfully giving. And Maureen was pregnant with Colin. Okay? And we, I mean, we had insurance, but yet we still had to pay the deductible and pay all of that. And, and we knew what the bill was going to be for that, for that birth of Colin. Okay? And, and we were literally, we were having this conversation in the car one day. We're like, how are we going to pay for this? Like, we don't have this extra money. Like, this is coming. What, what are we going to do? And as we're having this conversation, we're pulling out of the Costco parking lot, and this lady backs into us and hits our car. And so we're, we're like, what is going on, right? We get out. This lady jumps out of the car. She's like, oh, so, so sorry. I didn't, I didn't even look. It's like completely my fault. And she gives us her insurance information. 
Okay, a few days after that, we, we hear from the, insur- the insurance agent. And the insurance agent gets on the phone. And he's like, I can't believe I'm about to do this. And we're like, what? And she's like, the, uh, my insurer called me and pleaded with me to say, do not hassle that young couple. It was completely my fault. Just give them a check. And he's like, I, he's like, I never do this, but I'm just going to give you a check. And I'm like, okay, fine. Right, we get the check. It was exactly the amount we owed the hospital. We paid the hospital. We sold the car several years later, and it still had the dent in the door that that lady put in the side of her car. Okay, we have never had a bill we could not pay. Okay, I'll, say, I'll tell you that, but it's not just me. I said many other people have put God to the test when it comes to their generosity. Okay, this last week, I was listening to a podcast. And on the podcast, it's a podcast where a prominent church leader, he interviews different business leaders and pastors and, and different other people on different things. This specific podcast, he was interviewing this man named Mark Soreo. Okay, and, and Mark is a business owner. He owns Oakmont Bakery in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, this is a picture of their bakery. Okay, this bakery is one of those places, right, that people, it's like a destination. People People go, if they're, if they're in Pennsylvania, they go to Oakmont Bakery. Like, it's on the list of, like, the places you have to go if you're in the area. Okay, they literally, you know, serve baked goods to millions of people every year. Okay, this, this is a picture of Mark. Okay, he was being interviewed on this, and again, he was asked a question about, like, how did you guys make it through when you were young and, uh, you know, a young bakery owner and you were struggling in business, and how did you get through that? Okay, and this was his answer. Okay, he says, early on in our business, we were struggling a little bit. It was a, should we pay for the sugar or for the flour this week? I remember one time, Pastor Lee did a message on, if you're really struggling financially, you better give more. It was a really great message. And it really hit home for me and for my wife. Not long after that, um, I was working and I was looking at our books And I said to my wife, I'm really nervous about this. We've got to pay these bills. And instead, we're going to have to move to paying every month instead of paying every week like we have been. And she said, well, I guess we better write a bigger check to the church. And we did. And that became our regular pattern of giving. We never really struggled. I don't remember a time after that of ever struggling financially and paying our bills. And over the years, we made some pretty bold moves when the church was struggling, and, we really, and it really needed our help. And we helped. But God blessed us a lot more than I think we ever blessed the church. Again, as I'm listening to this podcast, and I was like, wow, that's pretty timely as I'm preparing for this message. Right, but God invites us to test him. Right? And, and I can say for me personally, God has always provided for, for Mark Soreo and his wife. God has blessed them tremendously in their business. Which leads us then to the next point that we need to understand about biblical generosity. Okay, is it, it, the foundation is the tithe. Okay, but biblical generosity doesn't stop at tithing. Remember, tithing is the foundation. What do we do with foundations? We build on top of foundations. And just when we looked at those statistics, those that do tithe give far more than their 10%, typically. Right? Because it's the foundation of biblical generosity. 
Okay, now, like I said, tithing is primarily an Old Testament teaching. Okay, but Jesus addressed tithing in Matthew 23, 23, when he says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Right? What does Jesus tell us? Should we tithe? He says, yes, you should tithe. But that's not the most important thing. Build on top of that foundation. Right? Don't stop at tithing. Continue on. Build on top of it. Because generosity is far more than just money. Right? Tithing is the foundation of generosity, and then we build on top of that into generosity into many other areas of our life, which is where I want to end today with the last teaching of Jesus. Okay, in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. So flip with me over a couple chapters to Luke chapter 6. Verses 38, or 37 and 38. Okay, where Jesus says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, this is a concept that Jesus wants us to understand, right? And that is that generosity puts you on the path to blessing. Okay, generosity puts you on the path to blessing. And notice, Jesus addresses more issues than just money in this passage and in this concept, right? Generosity, again, is far bigger than just tithing, right? It is building on top of that foundation to, that translates into, into generosity in many, many areas of our life. And just like we saw last week, why do we serve? Well, because Jesus served us first. Why do we give? Because God gave to us first, right? Which is, again, the key to giving, Okay, the key to giving is that we give because God gave to us. Because we follow his leading and his example, right? And we give because he gave to us. Again, the most famous verse in all of scripture, John 3, 16. For God, for this is how God loved the world. He gave. How does God love the world? He gives. What does he give? Well, according to John 3, 16, he gives his one and only son. Why would he do that? Why would he pour out his love? Why would he sacrifice his son? So that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. First and foremost, he gives us our salvation for free. No strings attached. Jesus gives. And he gave far more than we can even think of. He gave his life. You are never more like God than when you're generous. Right? And that's the destination of our faith journey. Right? It's to be more like Christ. 
right, to be more like God tomorrow than we are today. If we're moving forward in our faith, if we're journeying forward, we're going to be more like him tomorrow than we are today. And you're never more like God than when you're generous. Not just with your money, but with everything in your life because God gave to us. God showed his love for us by giving his son. Jesus showed his love for us by giving up his life. When we give, we reflect the heart and the character of our God. Giving like Jesus will definitely challenge you but why not rise to the challenge? Because our normal approach to finances is not working. Normal in America is deep in debt, incredibly stressed out and worried about how am I gonna make it to the next paycheck? And yet we are the least generous as Americans than even the worst time in our American history. Because giving is connected to our faith. When God gave us his only begotten son, he, he went broke, clearing out his entire bank account so that we might be without debt for eternity. So hear me today. You never look more like God than when you're a giver. God is a giver. And when we start living a life of generosity, our biggest reward will be the fact that we start to take on the very nature of the God we serve. There is nothing I can think of that's greater in this world than being transformed into the very image of Jesus. Which leads us then to our final thought this morning, and it comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, when it says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. Again, I have no idea what you give. In fact, I don't want to know. What I do want to know is that you're growing in your faith. Right? That you're moving forward in your faith journey. And I hope that you will take a step, whatever step you need to take today, to be closer to Christ. All right, if that's receiving him as your savior, then, then receive what he freely gives us. Right, if that's being obedient to whatever he's giving you to a more generous lifestyle, I hope you'll take that step today. Because remember, it's not about your money at all. It's 100% about your heart. Lord God, that is our prayer today. God, we bow our hearts and our lives at your feet. God, we put our hope and our trust in you. God, we acknowledge that you are the provider of everything in our lives. And God, help us to be obedient, God, to what we need to do to move forward in our faith. God, whether that's opening our hearts to you for the very first time, receiving from you, even our salvation, grace, mercy, forgiveness. Lord, help us to receive. God, and then to follow your example, God, and to live a life of generosity. Lord, as we go this week, give us the courage to do exactly what you ask us to do. Not to put our hope and our trust and our faith in you and in you alone. Lord, we bow our life at your feet. Lord, guide us this week as we serve you with everything we have. Guide us this week, God. In Jesus' name, amen.